0: Are you ready to realize the true potential in your life and help others do the same? Get equipped to create a thriving future with the Secrets of Success podcast. Inspire others to live, lead, and work on purpose, and experience the joy of watching satisfaction and productivity come to life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, each week, we want to be able to share with you strategies, tips, insights that can improve your life personally and professionally, and hopefully today is no exception. I don't have a guest today, so I want to go solo and really share with you from my heart some key character traits, seven in fact, that I believe are critically important for us realizing our potential and realizing our purpose and really living a life of meaning, Now, there's many individuals out there that have been successful uh, in, depends how you say successful, without some of these character traits. But my suggestion to you is the research is clear, but the seven that I'm going to share with you are critical for each of us to realize that potential in a meaningful, deep, joyful way. So let's just dive into it. Now, different podcasts, I've mentioned some of these at different times. And I really wanted to bring them together into one show so that as you're listening, you say, you can start checking it off. I'm also going to challenge you to, as we go through this, to say, am I actually doing these things? So the first character trait is that do you have the character trait of gratefulness and thankfulness? Now, Dr. Um, Marshall Goldsmith, of course wrote the book what got you here won't get you there and then the most uh, recent book triggers but one of the things that he mentioned in his work was is that individuals that had grateful and thankful hearts is that that was one of the most important character traits for meaning in life or having a life of meaningfulness there was some research done by the positive psychology uh, the author of Learned Optimism, Martin, Dr. Martin, had done, and he said, "You know, there's all these 28 different factors, but the number one factor that contributed to well-being for individuals was the state of gratefulness or thankfulness." And so, my question for you today is: Do you have that state? What are you thankful for this very moment? Uh, what are you thankful for? I want you to think through your head if you're driving, if you're listening. What are the things that really uh, you are thankful for or grateful for? And take an account of it. Because if we don't do this actively, then we're going to get into the other side of it. Where are we constantly complaining? Are we bickering? Are we uh, criticizing? So blaming and criticizing is really the opposite of being grateful and thankful for. I mean, it's interesting when a lot of times... You know, it's the old saying, is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? So those people that are blaming and criticizing, that would be the glass is half empty. Those that are thankful and grateful, the glass is half full. So what is and what are you thankful for? So when I think about a lot of times in business, we can have all kinds of things that get in our way we say, oh, this is going wrong. I said, no, no, hang on. We have great customers. We have great clients. We have many people who have supported us for decades in the work that we've done here at CRG with our assessments and tools versus, oh, we have an individual who decided to go with a different tool or a different assessment. So it's easy if we're not grateful or thankful to look at all the things that are not going on for our life. In one of the items that we've talked about before is the law of attraction is real. So if we focus on what we don't have, then we're going to get more of that. So by focusing on what we do have, what you are grateful, the relationships that you have, the health that you have, the friendships that you have, the success that you've had, then we are looking at that and we're going to get more of it. I recall an individual, and this is very, very unfortunate, but he was uh, going to university, and he got straight A's except for one class where he got a B. And the first thing that his dad said to him is, why, what happened? How come you got a B in this class? You know, that is not somebody who is thankful. Where his son had all these A's, he, had, he got a B in this class. It was a very, very difficult class that he wasn't interested in. And right away, the father, the individual, is looking at what he hadn't done. So that is criticizing and blaming rather than being grateful and thankful. The other one is, are you actually projecting that grateful and thankful heart or that attitude towards others? Because as what you produce, you're going to be able to replicate in other individuals. They're going to be modeling that. And so you say, well, my kids are always complaining. And I said, well, did you teach them that? And it's interesting how a lot of times in today's, microwave society, we want to have instant gratification. Well, the reality is is that's not true. Life takes time. Life takes things to gestate, to grow, to establish. You don't become a number one expert in an industry overnight. It just takes years to do it. So that patience that comes with gratitude and thankfulness is also there. Uh, Item number two, character number two, integrity. You know, I am just amazed at how many people think that it's okay to lie on your tax return. I mean, it's going to eventually catch up with you. You know, when Bernie Madoff created his Ponzi scheme and his pyramid scheme for billions of dollars, and individuals like even Steven Spielberg were taken on that. He had to know eventually that this thing was going to collapse, and now that he's spending his time in jail, he knows that. So this idea of really operating my life out of integrity is really not sustainable. We want to have, can I trust you? Do you Is what you say real? Now, uh, I had a personal story, a situation many years ago, about three decades ago, where really my insecurity around my expertise. I was just coming into this field of professional development and as a speaker. And of course, I was a bit insecure about what I was doing. And we had somebody in the office and they asked me, so what's your degree in? And I said, well, my degree is in this, but I didn't actually have a degree. I had a diploma. And so there is a difference between a diploma and degree. And what was driving that was my own fears, my own insecurities about that I wasn't good enough unless, quote, unquote, I had a degree. So they asked about a degree. I should have said, well, listen, I don't have a degree. I have a diploma in nutrition and genetics. I don't have, quote, unquote, this degree back then. Now, since that time, I've got an MBA and then a doctorate degree. But that, at that time, I was misrepresenting. I was out of integrity. And what was interesting is it actually bothered me. It was not how I wanted to act. And so after that, a couple of days later, I emailed the individual or phoned the individual. I don't recall which. And I just shared with them that I had misrepresented, and I apologized for me acting out of integrity. One of my uh, family members has a, a successful local business, in one. they work with contractors in building. And so – In a situation here uh, a few years ago, they had the contractor or the builder who was working with them get into some financial difficulties. And so what he did is he decided, well, you know what? I'm just not going to pay you. And in today's world, if somebody wants to act like that, it costs you almost more to collect the money than to um, actually, you know, as far as the legal bills that go with it. And so they actually were put out almost a quarter of a million dollars. That's not integrity. And so even though he got into trouble, he really needed to honor uh, that individual. And from that point of view, uh, after that, your reputation goes in front of you. People know how you act. Your reputation is in front of you. We have an individual who we work with from a customer service point of view. It's an individual who wholesales some product to us. And we were in a retail environment. And I mentioned that we were purchasing from this individual. And so this lady said to me, tell me how that goes. Well, this individual is one of the most difficult people on the planet to deal with from a customer service point of view. And his reputation of his difficulty, his quirkiness is global within his environment. It doesn't, he doesn't necessarily get it that people, even his competitors, know that he acts that way, that he is defensive, that he attacks his customers. And so some people say, Ken, why do you keep dealing with them? Well, there's a certain business arrangement we have with this person that gives us some benefits, and that is the only reason. Otherwise, I would have no interest in dealing with this person in terms of his integrity and how he treats people and all the different items that go there. So so think about it right now. Are you acting in integrity? Are you and is what you're saying to other people – the truth. Are you um, misrepresenting or are you really coming through and making sure that you are keeping your promises? Now, integrity also goes, think about yourself as a family member. If you say that you're going to be there at three o'clock for an appointment and then you come at 3.30 and you're always late or you're unreliable, that is acting out of Integrity. If you promise to be at your kid's concert and then you don't show up for it, then you're acting out of integrity. You're no longer aligned with it. And by the way, there's research that shows that if you're out of alignment with your integrity, it erodes your soul. It erodes your inside. So it's a very, very important piece to think about that. You know what? Am I really being real? Am I being honest? I've I've had this happen before where I had a staff member. I said, how's things going? He said, oh, it's going really, really well. And it wasn't two days later that this individual put their notice in. And I said, well, hang on. I asked you two days ago that it was going well. And you said it was going well. And now you put your notice in. Well, I couldn't really share the truth. Well, that is not acting in integrity. And if you can't really speak The truth, then, don't misrepresent, and in fact, she was lying or uh, stating falsehoods about a response to a question. And we have this happen all the time when we think about (laughs) false news in all the individuals out there, where it creates confusion, where people can I trust? Is your word good? Is your word bond, or do I can't count on it? And so that means that if you want other people to count on you and you want something from them, if your word is not good, then don't count on the word from them and them responding in a positive way with that. So I want you to think about, are you actually acting in integrity or are you misrepresenting? And so you don't have to be outside of it. In fact, what the world is looking for is in, uh, integrity, uh, not the opposite. There was a conference I was speaking at, and there was another fellow presenter from South Africa and this individual, it was very, very big in uh, helping third world uh, situations. And he said to me, you know, we were having coffee together afterwards as speakers. And he said to me, he says, can you know, do you know what the number one uh, item that is contributing to poverty globally? I said, no, I, I don't know what that is. He says, you know what it is? He says, it's, it's corruption. So. All the money that we're giving globally from developed countries, most of that never, meets, uh, never gets to the individuals that need it. A friend of mine has a ministry, and he had a container go to Haiti after the earthquake. That container of goods for individuals that needed blankets, whatever was in that container. The government officials wanted a significant bribe to get the container off the port. That container stayed on the port grounds or on that unopened for three years because corruption, the bribery was part of that process and they didn't have the money to pay the bribes so that they could get that to the people there. So the idea that the number one contributor to poverty in the world right now is corruption is kind of a soul-searching, grounding concept for those of us that say, well, my little act of not being in integrity doesn't have an impact. It does, and it is a wave across the world as we add all of those up that contribute to, quote-unquote, this global corruption that's going on out there. So number one is gratitude. Number two is acting in integrity. Number three is not worrying what other people think or say about you. Now, I did a little short um, video on this in one of my inspirational moments that I do, but it's, this is we could spend the rest of the show on this. It's so incessant. There's some research now, when we talk about millennials and those people that are in social media, is that if somebody unfriends them for, or defriends them, defrocks them, whatever word you want to use from Facebook, they 're traumatized they are um, they, they They are emotionally distraught because what other people say or think, and now all of a sudden, my esteem is really coming by plugging into others your self worth your value, who you are is standing in your own space, your own confidence. Yes, we want to get counsel from wise individuals, <clears throat> but if i didn't ask you for an opinion. About my life. If I didn't ask you for an opinion about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, then I'm not interested in it. Thank you very much for sharing, but I'm not into your feedback. A colleague of mine does very, very well as a professional speaker. He was speaking at an event. And I, I'm not sure what his fees are, but somewhere between ten dollars and $15,000 for a keynote presentation. He's been doing this for over 30 years. He's very, very successful. And he presented to a group. And after the group uh, presented to the group, one of the participants came up and says, do you mind me sharing with you on how you could improve your presentation? And my friend to her says, yes, I do mind. I'm not interested in your feedback. And so everybody says, well, that's being rude. Well, hang on this person is already very, very successful. The decision maker who cut the check was very satisfied and happy with his work. Why would I be interested in your feedback from an individual who does not do this for a living? Uh, We had this happen at CRG where an individual came through, and it's very, very rare, and they said, you know, you you should do this in your certification training. You should change this. You should alter uh, that. So, If I was to change my life to fit what other people say and do, I no longer have my life. So if you are listening to what other people say and what they want you to do, then you are no longer being congruent. You're no longer being true to yourself. Now, I'm not talking about self-centeredness. I'm talking about self-honoring. Everybody today in today's social media has an opinion about what you should or shouldn't do. You know what? I'm not interested in your opinion in that. Again, it's not rude. I'm the only person who could live my life. You're the only person who could live your life. Are you standing in that truth? Do you know who you are? A lot of individuals are followers, and so they get their self-worth by listening to other people. And so I get Blown around in the wind, you're double-minded. <clears throat> you uh, you don't stand for anything because you will go and move to what other people think and say. Uh, one of my, I'm just going to quote one of my colleagues, Alan Weiss, Dr. Alan Weiss says, "If you rely on others to confirm that you are sound, sane, and sensational, you will never be your own person and never be fulfilled." Boy, boy, important comment that your your meaning, your f- fulfillment really comes from an internal point of view. Yes, I want to seek wise counsel around certain things. So example, let's say you are you want to get into investment real estate and you're not familiar with that and there are some people who have been very successful in that space. Well, then listen to them. <clears throat> the other thing that's kind of interesting around thinking what others say is that these individuals who have thoughts about all these different uh, areas in life, who have no experience. Example, you have somebody who is who is teaching you or sharing with you how you should parent, but they're not a parent. Or an individual about how you should have a healthy lifestyle, but they're not healthy. Or an individual that shares how to communicate and lead others, but they don't lead others. These are all situations where you don't want to listen to what others say and think. You want to kind of be in your own space. So my question to you is, are you leading a life that is true to yourself, or are you worried about, thinking about, and acting in a way based on what others think and say about you? You know, thank you very much for um, your opinion, but I am not interested in it. And again, it's a self-preservation. It is a self-honoring perspective. Rather than keep checking in with everybody else for this validation, that becomes a self-worth or confidence issue. That is not a healthy situation to be in. So keep that um, in play. The next one. So number one is gratitude. Number two is integrity. Number three is not worrying what other people say or think about you and um, living your life that way. Uh, The next one is um, the love of learning. Now, I've talked about this before. Things are changing so quickly. You know, I'm not, um, I don't consider myself old, but I'm also a baby boomer. And I've been using technology for years, but still there are many things that are coming uh, that we can't even anticipate as far as the mobile app world. Uh, you know, people are talking about that there won't be any computers soon. Um, if even doing podcast, there's no such thing as podcast and SoundCloud and iTunes a decade ago, or it was just beginning uh, when I got into this industry. And I'm sorry, I'm dating myself. There wasn't even email if I didn't adapt to that, those components that wouldn't have worked. If I wasn't uh, now have a smartphone and texting, then a lot of communications that I have with my clients, my family members, my friends, that wouldn't happen. Uh, the ability to use apps to check on in on my phone to be able to take flights, all these things as far as learning, as far as growing. And so what's interesting is is there was, there was some research done as far as what percentage of people Actually read a book after high school. Do you know what that is? It's less than 15%. So 85% of the people listening to this podcast will never read another book. No, I know that there's online articles, and I do that every morning. Every morning I go through newsletters that I get on health and wellness as well as some other personal leadership newsletters that I get. And I spend between 30 minutes and an hour reading and investigating and learning. And you've heard of the rule of five where uh, individuals like Bill Gates will spend five hours a week on learning and taking new information in. As a health coach, I try to keep up with, uh, with the latest research in what was even seen as credible five years ago is changing because of new science that's coming out, or the science of uh, neurology and uh, neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. All of those things as far as genetic uh, predisposition. Do you know now that the latest research has proven that less than five percent of diseases and illness are genetically uh, generated? Ninety-five percent of all illness is lifestyle related. There's new research around cancer that it's uh, really uh, mitochondria and it's driven that way. And this whole our whole research focus in cancer prevention is incorrect based on the latest research that's coming out. So if I'm not learning, if I'm not staying on the cusp, then I am not going to be an expert in my field. One of the things that came up from Bloomberg is that he believes by 2020, so we're not very far away from that. And if you're listening to this podcast uh, years after I record it, then if we're in 2020, then 50% of all jobs and work will be contract. So it's not about careers anymore. It's about expertise. What's the expertise that you bring to the marketplace? What's the transformation that you create? What are the solutions that you provide as an individual, as a company? It is not about being a in a career path. Now, there are some career paths where that fits, uh, but the majority, 50%, are really expertise that are platooned in to f- fix a, a problem and to bring a solution, and then that is how uh, you we are going to operate in the world of work and how we're doing it now. So are you dedicating yourself to learning? And I'm not talking about the Facebook posts that you're learning where your friend is on holiday and you see the images and the pictures of them boating and the barbecue and the campfire, or they're uh, lying on the beach with... Uh, a drink in Cancun, in Australia, in... Spain, in France. I'm talking about learning about your area of expertise, your area of interest. Are you getting better? If you're in social media and you're listening to this podcast, are you listening to the latest of what's going on? How SEO has completely changed. How SMO has changed. Are you listening and looking and growing? So the love of learning needs to be on that. And so if I was to go visit you today, this very moment, how much learning? are you doing? Are you up to the five hours? That is really the minimum of five hours a week of learning, reading a book. When I had um, Dr. Peter Legge on the show, and Peter's now getting into his retiring years or semi-retirement, but he's still very, very active at 65 or so. But he is reading a book a week, 52 books a year. Could you imagine, who would you be a year from now, if you dedicated yourself to reading a book a week, wow, who would you be? It would be amazing. Now, somebody said, "Well, I don't have time." Well, you know what? Turn off the TV, stop uh, Netflix, stop streaming, whatever it is that you are doing. If we're spending all this time on social media, where uh, there was a study done on high school students who were failing. So these were uh, 10, and then uh, grade 10, 11, and 12 uh, individuals. And they were on social media 55 hours a week. And these were the individuals who were failing high school. Well, no wonder. They have a job and a half just being on social media, really doing uh, nothing productive. Now, here's the other thing as far as this love of learning is, and there's all kinds of research, and we're not going to get into it in this show, but one of the things that happens with distractions is that when you get a like on Facebook, when you get a share on Facebook, it has been proven that this actually uh, creates dopamine in your system, and now you have an addictive component. You know, the addictions of Uh, multimedia, video games in China, there's over 400 million individuals who are now addicted to media because you get the same high, dopamine high, as you do through uh, alcohol or cocaine or some of those other items. So you really need to manage that. So if I'm going to be learning, make sure that you're not going into being amused rather than creating uh, meaning for your life. The next one is so we have gratitude, we have integrity, you're not worrying what others think, you love learning. The next one is persistence. You know, it's interesting when we think about entrepreneurship and the business we have with CRG and, and my own work. The first couple of years when I got into uh, doing uh, sales training, I really had almost no business. It was, it was a struggle. And if you talk to most entrepreneurs, those first few months or first four year, uh, few years, or even if we think about Amazon, Amazon didn't make money for a decade. They continued to bring capital in, and now they're rocking it. Or other organizations who didn't make money for many, many years. Now, not everybody survives, but here's the reality <laughs> is that if we're going to be successful in life, then it is going to require persistence on our part. We're going to have to um, do it more than once. We all know these stats. You know, Thomas Edison did a 1,000 attempts before he invented the light bulb. A 1,000. No, we're not talking 10. We're not talking 100. We're not talking 500. We're talking a 1,000 attempts on how the light bulb, uh, before he invented the light bulb, and somebody asked, how did you actually tolerate it? And he said, this is how I framed it out. He says that it gave me one more way, but it didn't work. I knew I didn't have to do that one again because it excluded it. So he was going through this process of elimination where now I know there's a thousand different ways that this light bulb doesn't work it's before he invented it. You know, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Certainly, an individual, a president of the United States who uh, is well known, who has made some uh, amazing strides when he was the president. But did you know that he failed eight times over a period of nearly 30 years before he became uh, president? You know, so that is an important piece. Did you know that Walt Disney? That he was working for an individual and somebody fired him because his ideas, he said, that will never work. And then he actually went bankrupt. I think it was two or three times before he finally got the inspiration to uh, create Mickey Mouse. And then the rest is history. Do you know that uh, Oprah was demoted from her job as a news anchor because she was told she's not a fit for television? So, okay, well, hang on. And did you know Colonel Sanders, Kentucky Fried Chicken, he was, he was 65 and he had a beat up car and a hundred dollar check from Social Security before he realized he wanted to take this uh, secret recipe. And did you know that he knocked on over a thousand doors before he got his first order at the age of 65 living out of his car? So what's your excuse? you know if you are uh, working on something there that is um very very important to stay persistent are you now if you're staying persistent, it needs to be around things that are important to you. Sometimes we give up because we're not passionate. We're not on purpose. And so if you're unclear about your purpose, then I encourage that you would get my book, The Quest for Purpose. You can go to the find out more about it. And it takes you through an entire roadmap about how you can develop in the directions that you uh, can go so that you can stay persistent. I know as an entrepreneur is that there have been times where it hasn't been easy at CRG as we build it out. We had a situation where we had spent a lot of money on our previous learning uh, system. We had hired this individual. We had given her piles of money to build this out, and then they built it wrong. The senior programmer, in fact, got in an accident and died, and all that money was written off, meaning it was lost. It was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I could have just said, please quit, but we needed to be persistent with that. We needed to keep going, even though there were other things that were showing and uh, reflecting the difficulty for us. So there are some examples for you as far as staying persistent, staying focused. You know, when we talk about item number six, I've talked about it before as well but it bears repeating, is the power of association. You know, we will become the people that we hang out with and that we connect with on a day-to-day, week-to-week. The power of association. You know, if you want to be a successful real estate investor, then why wouldn't you hang out with successful real estate investors? You know, I was interviewing Patrick Francie from the Reen group, and so he has created an entire work or group that uh, responds to that or works in the real estate investment field. When I was first getting into this industry in the 80s, one of the groups that I joined was the National Speakers Association, which is a group for other individuals who earn a living as speakers, trainers, consultants, and little less at that time, coaches, so I joined that group, the association, and what's interesting is I could, they could relate to my specific questions, my uh, things that I needed addressing. What did you do when you went through this? What was your challenge? How did you respond? So now I'm around individuals who are like-minded, who are similar to me. So the power of association is very, very important, as Kenneth uh, Robinson talks about it in his book, The Element, of finding your tribe. Where do the people that hang out, that do what you do or think like you think, and go to them, be proactive, network with them, be in the group. I was part of a mastermind group for a year uh, of other successful authors and I was flying to Philadelphia every quarter, connecting with, meeting with other successful authors who had written books in some bestsellers. I got to hang out with Jack Canfield, of course, who is the co-author of Chicken Soup. I have spoken for Mark Victor Hansen, who is also the other co-author of Chicken Soup at different times, Robert Allen, uh, years ago. So I hung out with other individuals who are in my industry of education and speaking and training And I continue to do that. I continue to get information from those uh, peers so that I can grow. So what about you? If you want to build a health practices business or a lifestyle business, where do those people hang out? If you are a health practitioner, then obviously there's associations for medical doctors or naturopaths, or if you are into recreation, there are all kinds of groups. So my encouragement is is the power of association. How do you get together with the group? You know, LinkedIn now has all these follower groups or groups that you can part of, be part of, HR practitioners, trainers, uh, learning professionals. It doesn't matter what it is. You can be a follower or be in a group. Or you can be more pro- appropriate as far as these personal associations. So the other one is I really want to kind of challenge this. Who do you tend to? to hang out with? Who are your friends? And I I don't mean this as judgment. I don't mean this in a way where you are better than somebody else. We are just simply different. What the reality is, is in many cases, we outgrow. We become different people. If you're growing, if you're learning, not all your friends that you went to high school with are going to grow with you, are going to go in that same direction. And so there is a certain time where you are not that you're going to leave that friend, but you're going to adjust your friendships and your associations to be with different people. I do recall in Dr. Marshall's book Triggers where he talks about in a lot of cases We go back to a high school reunion, a university reunion, whatever it is, a community reunion. You grew up in a community, and then you moved away. And so you've gone to another part of the country, another part of the world. You're doing something different. And he talks about this woman who was from India, and then she started to get some work in New York. And she was really quite successful in this um, PR firm. So she's hanging out with her friends in India. She's back there. She's having dinner with them. And one of the people there asked her uh, how she's doing. And so she said to them, well, I'm doing this. And I was traveling to Europe. And I was, I was working with this client, basically sharing her new life and her new position. And after the dinner was over, her friend pulled her aside and says, who do you think you are? How, how come you're so arrogant? Now, she didn't see it as arrogance. She was just simply sharing who she had become and what she was doing. But the reality is, is the people that she had left many years prior had not grown with her. They were different individuals. They saw her as she was 15 years ago. So just a little tip is when you get back into those groups, when you get back into uh, A previous sort of association where you have grown past, you don't need to respond with all the details. So what this woman did when she went back to India at a future time, uh, they asked, how's your new job? What is it that you're doing? They said, well, I'd moved to New York and I do a fair amount of travel and I have, you know, these kinds of clients and then left it there at that point. She didn't go through all the details. She didn't go through more of that information because she wanted to honor the previous association, that previous relationship, because they had not grown with her. So what does that mean for you? So are you seen as somebody different? I know that that happens with myself and my family. I actually grew up on a dairy farm. And not that that was bad and enjoyed it, but wasn't my passion in life. I'm doing right now what I'm passionate about, and that's really to help others to live, lead, and work on purpose and to contribute to that in any way that we can. But I remember once when I finished my doctorate degree, my, I said, well, I'm now a doctor. And they said, well, don't ever expect us to call you doctor, was one of the family members. And that's because they don't see me as a doctor. That is not who I am to them. I have to scroll back 30 years as far as, okay, here I am, this dairy farmer way back in the 80s. That is who they see me as. And because they don't see me on who I am now, that's fine. My association, my friends are in a different space, but I still have my family and I honor them and it's quite okay. It's quite okay. So the same thing for you. Who are you associating with? Who are you connecting with? Who are you relating to? The other one is who are you reading? When we think about, you know, the love of learning, that association is is who are you reading? Are they like-minded authors? Now, sometimes you want to get outside of your space so it pushes you and gets you thinking differently, but I don't read uh, content that is completely contrary to my value set. It's just not where I go. I want to make sure that I'm in a place that I have the power of association both virtually and in person. That is aligned with the nature and where I want to go. And then finally, number seven, and it's interesting, we've mentioned this before, but it's very, very important for all of us, is that uh, the character trait of forgiveness. So what's forgiveness got to do with business? Everything. You know, we all will get into a situation where we will have people who offend us, people who will Be rude to us, people who are not nice, that could uh, do uh, horrific things, whatever the case might be, sooner or later, we're going to um, have to have that attitude. Here's a, a quote from Martin Luther King Forgiveness is not an occasional act, it is a permanent attitude. So if I have unforgiveness, unforgiveness. Is the same thing as you taking poison daily and expecting the other person to die. It's just unforgiveness in your heart. In any state, is going to affect you. So you're allowing whatever was that, whatever has been done to you, the bitterness uh, to grow in you. There was some recent research around the fact that old style counseling doesn't work where you relive your trauma over and over again. No, no, no. We need to move towards what I want and leave what occurred behind. It doesn't mean that I'm in denial of it. It just means that I'm not going to keep focusing on it. Because remember, we talked about earlier in gratitude, whatever I focus on, whatever I put my attention on, I get more of. How is it that some people who worry and have anxiety have more worry and more anxiety because that's what they 're focusing on, so forgiveness at all levels is important so many, many years ago, um, I had an individual who introduced me to another person, said so listen, Ken, we have this investment opportunity, and uh, we have all these people that were getting together, and so my friend had already been part of it, and he had some put money in this investment, and uh, there were other people that I knew that had put money in an investment and the whole thing was a scam, and um, the amount that I lost was significant. It was huge. I really, for many many years, beat myself up. I, it was sort of a, a micro Bernie Madoff, where <laughs> this they call it, they call it a con artist for a reason. These people are master manipulators. They're masters at playing to a person's greed, whatever it is. I let my greed get a hold of me. Can you're going to be able to get you know, 50% return on this. I said, well, that's not real. So let me show you how we're doing it. And of course, even in my conscious mind, my conscious mind says, there's no way you can get 50% return. My greedy, undeveloped, undisciplined side said, oh yeah, but what if? What if I got 50%? What would that mean? Boy, that would really change this environment. So that's how he played. And this individual got millions of dollars from others. Oh, I stayed bitter for a long time. Oh, I stayed unforgiveness. And the unforgiveness went two ways. It went towards this individual who took all this money from myself and my friends. But number two, the unforgiveness was to me to me for being so stupid, for being silly, for not being developed. How come I didn't see it? And so for many years, actually, I got to a point where I forgave that person because I knew that would be and erode my soul. But what I didn't realize until recently, just a few years ago, is that I really, really hadn't forgiven myself for for screwing up with this, because really that money could have been used for my kids' uh, schooling for, uh, items that we were, uh, we could have used those resources, but Oh no, no, I had lost them. And so see, even now, as I say that I have to really release that personal unforgiveness because here's the reality. If you're have bitterness, people are going to pick that up. If you have unforgiveness, it's going to erode your cognitive function, your ability, your focus, your ability to connect with individuals, yourself as far as your self uh, health, and be able to, to release it. So my question for you: Is there any anything in your life where you need to bring you know, the character trait of forgiveness into play? What is that for you? Is that an individual? Is that a company? Uh, is that resentment? There was some research done with uh, divorced individuals, and interesting is that divorced women uh, have a way higher uh, death rate after that divorce than with men, but versus just the normal population. And that's because of the unforgiveness or the bitterness that they continue to host. I'm not saying that what occurred was right. There's no judgment on that. The key is, am I letting it go? Because bitterness towards that individual, that significant other in that environment, is that their, oh, here is the number. I've got the number in front of me, is that their stress level, their chances of a heart attack increases by 24% just by being divorced and staying bitter. How does that happen? That happens because I don't choose to let it go. How does bitterness help you? It doesn't. So you're staying angry. Well, that's not affecting them. It's affecting you. How do I stay in this unforgiveness towards this other business person? Even my family members who were ripped off for the quarter million dollars, which I talked about in the integrity segment, they eventually had to let it go. They said, you know what, to sue the person to get the money back is going to cost me half of that. And she said, the emotional toll over a year or two going through the courts was not worth the money to get it back. Even though it was $250,000 and it basically just teetered their long-term family business. It was just a few people just right on the edge. So even then, we have to think about letting go. Well, I thank you for listening today, and here's just the seven character traits again as a summary. Gratitude and thankfulness. Are you thankful? Integrity, operating integrity. Not worrying what others think or say about you. The love of learning, taking information in, doing the five hours a week that the most successful individuals do. Being persistent, not quitting, not rolling over, not crying about the fact that you didn't get it. Keep going. The power of association, making sure that you're hanging out and being with the people that you want to become, who have gone before you, that support you, that are like-minded, whatever that might be. Uh, The last one, as we just covered, is really being in a state of forgiveness. Just as Martin Luther said, it is an attitude of being persistently and always in a state of forgiveness. You know, as we end each show, I always thank you for listening. Whoever you might be, it is, you know, I get comments from all around the world. You never know who's listening to your podcast. If you like what we're doing, I just... Thank you for sharing it. Pass it on to others as far as they're listening to it. If you have some positive comments that you could post in SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, or iTunes, that is very, very much appreciated. Uh, if you want to be able to take this further, a couple of books, uh, The Quest for Purpose will really help you get clear as well as why Aren't You More Like Me? Those, both of those books will assist you with these character traits and some of those items that we have there. And as always, we thank you for being a great listener. You've been listening to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keys.